wants that. We, none of us want that. It's not how God designed uh, this world and this life to be in the beginning. But as we know, we fell in the garden and everything has fallen ever since. Amen. That's why we need Jesus Christ. That's why we needed him to intervene in t- and, and take on flesh and, and be the incarnate word. Uh, God himself that would come to save us and to rescue us from the affliction that we had so uh, that, that we had caused ourselves and that we continue to walk in throughout the course of our lives. We need God to save us from the penalty of sin. Amen. And Jesus Christ did by did that by the sacrifice on the cross, that final blood sacrifice to cover us for eternity. Every single person who would place their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews wanted the future kingdom now. They wanted the kingdom that they had read about in the prophets. They wanted it now. They didn't want to have to wait any longer. Um, they were very, uh, they were anticipating the future kingdom. They wanted it. They wanted Messiah to come. They wanted Messiah to rescue them from their situation in this time of the Gentile rule over their nation. They wanted to be uh, free and worship God in, in freedom. And, and though we, uh, we also know that the very reason that they're under this uh, oppressive rule of other nations for so many years is directly because of their unbelief, their idol worship, their pride, and their hypocrisy. So if you want to know any things that we're not supposed to get into in our lives, idol worship, pride, hypocrisy, um, and so we, we don't want those things in our lives. We, we need to worship God and Him alone. We need to hold Him high and no one else we need to measure everything that we do in our lives uh, by God's standard and not by man's standard. Amen? Um, so we want to believe in God. We don't want to fall into unbelief. Now, um, these, these times, the, 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 the times of the Gentiles, the Jewish people wanted out, and they wanted out of this punishment uh, from God for their own sin, and don't we all? And this is something that we have in common, that we don't want to be punished. We don't want the wrath of God on our lives, do we? We want the freedom of God. We want the love of God, the grace of God to cover us. That way we can live free and be in eternity with him forever. We want hope, don't we? And we want to have that hope that these things are going to come to pass that God has spoken about in his word. And so they were uh, familiar with the writings of, of Isaiah 11, uh, Isaiah 65, uh, other writings. They, they longed for the shoot from the stump of Jesse that branched from his roots that would bear fruit. Now, uh, we know that Jesse was David's father, amen, King David? And we know that the, the Messiah would come from that line, from the Davidic line. And we know that he would be of the, uh, from the tribe of Judah like David. David was, and so this is that uh, that stump of Jesse, or that, that branch from the stump of Jesse, um, uh, whose whose roots uh, would bear fruit. And they awaited their Messiah, um, so they, they anticipated and they expected him to come. They wanted him to come. They longed for him to come. They hoped for it. Their joy was wrapped up in the glory that God would produce in the future for them. But they wanted the future now. Now, how many of y'all want the future now? How many of y'all want things that you're praying for to pan out now? Uh, how many of y'all are uh, hopefully uh, and, and expected, uh, being very expectant about things that you, you know, hey, listen, God, I, this may be out in the future, but I, I wouldn't mind if you did it now for me, God. Uh, that's, that's kind of the way that we live our lives, isn't it? We are hopeful about now that God is going to deliver now on the things that we've uh, been promised and on also the things that we pray for. So um, the, uh, the Jewish people, they, they long awaited their king to come in glory and to restore and reform the earth 
into his kingdom. They awaited his righteous judgment on their enemies. They wanted freedom. They wanted to be ruled by a righteous king who would lead them to peace where the wolf and the lamb would graze together. And we read that last week. Now, this dominated their eschatological thinking. Um, Now, the word eschatology is an awesome word, fancy word, big word, but it's, it's a word that means the study or the science of last things. It's a part of theology, and it's concerning death, and the theology is the study of God. Um, It's a part of theology concerning death, the end of the world, and the final destiny of the soul, and the final destiny of humankind. This is eschatology. So this dominated their eschatological thinking, the the Jews' eschatological thinking of the time, that that all this would come to pass. Now there's some different things that that are interwoven into that, and I'm going to discuss those here this morning. They believed that uh, there would be a violent tribulation that they would face. A violent tribulation that they would face, that they would be uh, under the oppressive rule of some other nation, some other kingdom. Now tell me that they didn't feel like they were experiencing those tribulations in those times. As the Roman Empire was had its iron fist and it, it had, had its grip on them and they, they couldn't do anything right in freedom with their God, worship their God the way that they wanted to. They couldn't be separated out from the, 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 the other people of the earth and they, they couldn't do that because... Uh, of that rule, and they felt this was the, 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 that time, that, that time of tribulation that they would face. They felt like they were in it now as uh, Jesus was there. And then they believed that during the tribulations that there would be a forerunner who would come in the spirit of Elijah. They, they believed that Elijah would come himself, or some even believed that someone would come in the spirit of Elijah, and those people were right, as the Messiah would come in the spirit of David, right, as we read in the Old Testament. Elijah would not come, but one like him would come and be the forerunner for the Messiah. He would go out before Messiah. He would go out and announce his coming. He would go out and prepare the way for the Lord. Now, who do we know that to be, church? John the Baptist. We know that the scripture says that this is John the Baptist. Jesus says it himself. And we know this um, from Matthew chapter 17 and verse 10. Listen to this. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So this is the forerunner of the Messiah. So a tribulation, then a forerunner, or one like Elijah, and then the Messiah would come. And this is what they believed. And at the sound of his voice, all the nations of the world would rise up and join forces against him. That they would quit their wars against one another, and that they would rise up and join forces and, 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 and come up against Messiah because they hated him just at the sound of his voice. Um, They wanted to defeat Messiah. This is what they believed. And though they would join forces, this wouldn't be enough. As he would defeat the nations, the Messiah would. This is the Jewish belief. He would defeat the nations and the armies of the world. And then Messiah would initiate the purification of Jerusalem. And then he would restore his people and their nation on the face of the earth. And he would reign and he would be their king. So this is the kingdom that the Jewish people are anticipating. So as they're under the Roman rule and occupation... 
think of it, they're like, these are the times of the tribulation. And then as the disciples are listening and they realize that Elijah has come and that has been John the Baptist, then they're like, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah because Jesus is in their midst performing miracle after miracle. He's even raising the dead in Lazarus. Amen. He's causing men to see who were born blind. He is causing men and women to, to get up out of their beds and walk. He's, he's healing sick people. He's healing people from afar even without even having to enter into their home. He's doing all these things so they think, of course, the tribulation has come, Elijah has come, one like him has come, a forerunner has come, and now Messiah has come. And so what's next in, 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 in the progression? Is, is the defeat of the armies of the world, right? Is the rise up of the nations of the armies of the world to come up and join forces against Messiah and then Messiah would defeat them. This is next in the Jewish thinking. So they're waiting for this. This is why they're waiting. This is why we say that the people of the Jewish nation were wanting a different kind of king than Jesus would end up being. And so you have all these things lining up and this is what's smack dab in the center of the minds of the disciples. This was it. He was here. And the next thing now needed to take place. But this wasn't the case. He was different. He wasn't a king like the Jewish world wanted him to be. He was different. He spoke of peace. He spoke of grace. He spoke of faithfulness. He spoke of self-denial, love, unity, meekness. He spoke of turning the other cheek. He spoke of forgiveness 70 times, seven times. He also spoke of repentance and spoke truthfully with words of judgment for those steeped in pride, self-indulgence, and hypocrisy. And we know very well the way that he spoke of the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees, and the elders of the Jews, don't we? So their question was a good one. And it's one that I might have asked myself. One that many of us here would have asked when will this be over, Lord? How much longer must we endure? Our fathers and their fathers had to endure. How much longer must we endure, Lord? Many of you may be asking that question here today in your own life. Lord, how much longer is this going to be? How much longer must I endure? This pain and this suffering in my life, Lord, how much longer is this going to be? How much longer am I going to suffer this? How much longer is it going to take for you to remove this, Lord, or for you to come back? How much longer, Lord? Let's pick up in the text. Matthew 24. Excuse me. We hear them ask two questions, kind of three, but really two. When will this be, number one? Number two, when will the signs be, or what will the signs be when you come back and at the end of the age? What will the signs be when this take, takes place? And it's very interesting the way that Jesus answers them. He, he does so with information about things that will happen 
And people that will rise up, which they should not follow, and they should not fall for, those things. In verse 4, And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. So they're saying, when will this be, and what will the signs be? And he starts off his answer with, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Everyone who says that they come in the name of the Lord, church, doesn't necessarily come in the name of the Lord. Is that what that says? Is that what I'm reading there? I think it's pretty plain, isn't it? Oh, no, but the Spirit's leading me. Oh, no, but I'm being led by the Spirit here. Okay, what does the Word say about it? Can we line this up with the Scripture of God? What is the other teaching that you've taught? What do you believe about this and this and that? What are these things? What is your biblical framework and worldview? How do you, how do you form the thoughts that you have? Where do they come from? From Scripture? From man? From your own opinions and your own judgment? Where are they? Where are they? Where do they reside? What's their foundation? This is what we need to know because we need to see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. In verse 6, and, I, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Anybody hear of any wars? How about rumors of wars? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, well, let me, let, me say, let, me, let me give you the words of Jesus. See that you are not alarmed. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. We hear wars and rumors of wars, and we say, oh, the end is coming. The end is coming. It's all lining up. Jesus says, the end is not yet. There's a, mis- there's a miscommunication between the Scripture and man in these, these verses. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, or will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Anybody hear about any kind of earthquakes? Famines, people starving? How about dictators starving their own people in other countries right now? Is that, is that taking place on the earth? It is, isn't it? Are there earthquakes all over? There are, aren't they? Is, uh, are there kingdoms Are there kingdoms that in, in, in battle against one another? Huh? How, about, how about Israel and Iran? How about those kingdoms? How about those nations? Nations, they're not feeling so good about other nations right now in the world, are they? No matter what kind of peace treaties and peace deals people sign, let me tell you something. If we just pay attention to the history of the world, we know that those peace treaties and peace deals can and will be broken. Amen? They will be And they have to be. These things must take place. Well, listen to this, what he says in verse 8. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Interesting about birth pains. Ladies, y'all know anything about that? Birth pains, huh? It's in the beginning in Genesis, right? It's part of the curse. I'm sorry, ladies, I'm sorry. But listen, if you know anything about birth pain as a woman, and I don't, obviously... I was, in, I was in the hospital room with my wife, though. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't in the other room. I was in there. And man, that was painful for her. And those contracts, everything that happens as a woman is about to give birth, that pain, 
This means that there is the birth of something glorious that's about to happen when these things start to take place. That it's going to be painful. But let me ask you something. When you see that baby, when you see that child for the first time, what is the feeling in your heart, women? Oh my goodness, I had a feeling, and I'm a man, I didn't, I didn't even have to go through that. I had a feeling, oh, oh when I first got to hold my son, my first, and then, and then my other son, oh, it was, it was a Jesus Christ. All right. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You see, all this has to take place before the end. Now, according to Mark, I know we're reading in Matthew, but according to Mark... The ones that asked him the question about this specific time that he was talking about in the signs were Peter, James, John, and Andrew. These four. Mark 13.3 says that they asked him privately as he sat atop the Mount of Olives, or he sat, he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. I don't know necessarily that he was at the top. I shouldn't have said that. Mark 13.3 13, uh, again says that they asked him privately as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. And they were wearied by his comments. They were startled, no doubt, these disciples. They were impatient. They were ready. Ready for that kingdom to come. Ready for this, this Roman rule to be over. They figured the Romans would be first in succession. Why? Because they were ruled by the Romans. And then he would defeat all the other nations of the world, Messiah would. They wanted to know. They wanted to know. They were weary. wanted to know, Lord, when will this be? And what will the signs be? Like a child waiting for their Christmas or birthday gift who sees their parents put it under the tree or they put a gift on the table at a party perhaps. Have you ever wanted to know what was in the box, church? What's in that big old box as a kid? The older you get, maybe what's in that little box, right? The jewelry. Well, what's a, you know, we, we're looking, we're expecting, we're hoping, we see it. You see the gift under the tree, you see the gift on the table, oh, what's in that? I want to open it. And though this gift would come with pain, with circumstance, and with tears, and he laid the truth at their feet. And if you want an easier, softer way, if you want an easier, softer Jesus, I'm sorry, church, but he does not give that to us. 
He gives us reality. them not to, to, to make sure you put your blinker on before you turn as they begin to drive, learn how to drive. You tell them not to put their hand close to the stove to get out of the kitchen while you're cooking. It's not safe. Maybe you got some oil on the stove or whatever it is. You do, don't you? And you do those things in love, don't you? You do that because you're trying to protect them. You want them to be protected and provided for. Where do we get this? Where do we get that instinct? Moms, where do you get your motherly instinct to grab your child and rescue them from peril or distress? Where do you get that instinct? It comes from God. It is one of those beautiful godly desires that He gives to men and women to protect their own whom they love. And this is the same thing that God is doing for us as He gives us the truth. He's loving us so much that He's protecting us with His love. He gives this warning with anticipation, with all sincerity, in real time, with reality written all over it. Let's go to Mark's account for a moment. Mark 13, 9 through 13. He says, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Woo! That is some amazing stuff right there, isn't it? But what will I say, Lord? Don't you worry about it. I'm going to speak for you. That's how much, that's how God's in control. That's how much control God has. He'll even speak for you if he needs to. Verse 12, and brother will deliver brother over to death. Sad, sad. And the father his child. Mm. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Notice that scripture, that verse specifically is in both accounts, isn't it? But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, we'll speak on that a little bit later. So again, he gives the truth the way the truth needs to be given. He gives it in all sincerity and with great anticipation. And he gives it in real time with reality written all over it. He says, this will happen. This is what to watch out for. This is how I want you to prepare yourselves. And this is how you should decipher the times and the signs. This is how you should interpret the things that will happen. And this is unavoidable. It must happen, but even though the suffering will be great, he assures them and us and those who would come after us even 
that He will be with us. He will be there with us in that hour. And praise be to God for that truth. In essence, he's saying, even when you struggle to find the words, I will be there to give them. And when you can't seem to find the strength, don't worry because I'm going to be there with you. And when there seems to be no way out and no hope or no help on the horizon, I will be there because I'm coming back for you. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. We wait with great anticipation for many things in our lives as kids. We we await presents on special occasions. We await a, a brother or a sister to be born. In some occasions, the first day of school, anybody awaited that one? I did, great anticipation. With me, when I was a kid, I was always trying to figure out what am I going to wear, you know what I'm saying? What am I going to wear that first day of school? Got them new shoes, crispy, woo! The new clothes, wanted everybody to see them, you know what I'm saying? See all my friends, see their crispy new duds, and then we're going to have fun. And we're going to see everybody, maybe meet some new kids. Most of all, I want to see my friends. We wait with great anticipation. First day of school, maybe spring break. Anticipate summer vacation when we're, when we're young. Summer vacation, end of the school year. Oh man, we awaited that one. Great anticipation, the end of school year. And as we get older, we await eagerly for school yet again to be over. Right? That job, that great job that's going to set us up for the rest of our lives, we, we wait for that. We wait for real and affectionate love in our lives. We anticipate it. We wait for a spouse to spend the rest of our lives with, a love that would not grow cold. We wait for babies to be born or for a pregnancy to take. We wait for that other, better job because this one doesn't seem to be working out so good and it's not you know, supplying all my needs the way I thought it would. But if we're honest... Can we ask ourselves if the hope that we once had is still alive in those things once we reach those goals? Or does the hope wane if those goals and life milestones are never reached? I'll never get there anyway. That was just me wishing, hoping, shot in the dark. Ain't going to happen. Does your hope wane if those things don't seem to be panning out? Or even if those things do pan out, can you be honest and realize that those things don't bring you the satisfaction that you thought they would? And so then maybe your hope wanes in other things. I don't know, everything I want to do, everything I think that is right, it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill me. Maybe you think that way. So then all of a sudden this, this is waning, this hope. What is the result of success in this life? How much does it really mean? And what, 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 what is it really? What, what is success in this life? Maybe we should ask ourselves those questions. There are so many things in this life that we anticipate and eagerly await in our lives that don't seem to measure up to the level of greatness that we want from them. So many things. We can become disappointed, become disillusioned with the future and with eternity, even with God when the things that we are doing in our lives don't seem to make us any happier because we put a lot of stock in our own emotion, in our own happiness. But praise be to God that He makes us filled with joy as we trust in Jesus. That even though we face struggle in life and even if things don't work out, 
man, I got a hope in eternity that I know is going to be so much better than this. I've got a hope in God that I know is going to help me to ride into the sunset with him. Now fix your eyes to Jesus. And think if you can, think if you can and take in the fact that everything that he has for you will supply your every need. Every single thing that you need. All those needs that you have, some that you don't even know about, that God knows, God supplies. Fix your eyes to Jesus to know that simple truth. And He will fulfill and satisfy your every desire as those desires are conformed to the image of Christ and as you are wrapped up into His glory forever by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now all the anticipation you had in all your life put together and every thought that you've ever had for good will be wrapped up in the single most glorious thing in all of the history of the world as you are joined to Jesus Christ forever in His kingdom. All that anticipation for everything all put together, still doesn't measure up to the glory that we will see in God once we're together with Him forever in His kingdom and glory. All the glory of this world will pale in comparison to the glory of being with Jesus forever. And this is so incredible to me. He gives us stark warnings about what will take place. He tells us that we cannot know the day or the hour that these things will happen, but to be sure, these things will happen. He's calling us to endure. Do you hear that in these scriptures? He's calling us to endure. Endure. Be steadfast. Stay. Stay. Be strong. Stand firm. This is what he's calling us to. Stand firm in the faith. He's calling us to live outside of the world while we, while we reside within its walls. He's calling us to a life whereby we will undoubtedly suffer as these things take place but only for a short while. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16 through 18 says this, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And how much of y'all feel that wasting away every day? Yeah. As you get older and older, you just feel sometimes like, man, what's going on here? Things are breaking down. Things I didn't know I had hurt. We're wasting away. But listen, don't lose heart. Again, verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us, or preparing for us, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are seen are unseen are eternal. Let me read that again. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Fix your eyes to Jesus. Not on the world, but to Jesus. So many get caught up trying to decipher the hour, the day this will happen, just like the disciples, they want to know desperately when will these things take place. And for thousands of years now, you've heard people be wrong over and over and over again about when this will take place. Books have been written. 
Movies have been made. Millions of dollars have been spent. Millions of dollars have been made by people who proclaim to know when the day and the hour are. And all them people have been wrong so far. Jesus tells us clearly it's not for us to know. You know, um, there's something else that's clear. It's not up for us to know. That's, that's clear. What else is clear is the world will be unlivable. The world will be unlivable. And listen, I, I know what's going on in this world right now, okay? I keep my, my, my ears and, and my, my eyes to the heartbeat of what's going on in America. First, locally, here, Ranzas Pass, Coastal Bend, Texas, America, and then, in the, and then globally. I know what's going on. Not everything that's going on, I can't know. But I keep my, my finger on it, on the pulse of the world and, and America. I know what's going on. I know all of the lawlessness that we're seeing that's, that's increasing. It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to see the things that are happening around the world right now, isn't it? It's difficult to see. It's difficult when we, when we see and feel the frustrations of mothers and fathers who are losing their children right now. People who were killed because of the way they look or because somebody disagrees with them. People that are beaten senselessly because somebody disagrees with them. We're seeing people all over the world in disagreement. So much so that they are violently erupting and acting out against one another because of those disagreements. So we know also that disagreement runs deep in our hearts, doesn't it, as people? That when we believe strongly about something, that, that, that men, the men and the women of the world, not of the church, but the men and the women of the world, will get violent with one another over their disagreements. Are we called to get violent, church? Absolutely not. I believe in a Jesus that told me that I was supposed to turn the other cheek. How about you? I believe in a Jesus who told me I was supposed to forgive 70 times 7 times. How about you? I believe in a Jesus who threw a blanket across this world and issued a common grace where by the, the, it, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Where he allows people to make mistakes and to sin and rebel against him and doesn't strike them dead in that moment I believe in a Jesus who has grace over the world, but a saving grace to wrap up in eternity with himself all those people who believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe that the grace of the world and the grace of the church are completely different because one is destined for destruction and the other is destined for glory. Glory be to God. I believe in that Jesus. And I believe in the Jesus that tells me that there's a distinct difference between God and the world. And that there is no fellowship between the two. And that if we continue to try to unify with the world and the world's causes in the church, then we are destined for destruction. We cannot unify or ally with the world and the world's causes. We've got to ally around and unify around the cause of Jesus Christ. To preach the gospel to all nations. And to pray for Him to return. I don't know about you, church, but I want him to come back now. I want it now. 
now. Some of you may say, oh, no, I'm not done here yet, though. I still got some more to do. What? If Jesus comes back right now, what else you got to do? Huh? If Jesus comes back right now and you got more to do, man, listen, there was a man in the Bible who wanted to go and bury his dad before he went to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. First come and follow me. I believe in that, Jesus. How about you? Let's go through this world real, real quick. This world will be unlivable. That is clear. Because we need to be aware of the weight of it all. Matthew 24. Okay, let's start in verse 9. Hmm. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So they'll give you up. Who will? Who will give you up and deliver you over to death? Well, according to Mark 13, 12, listen to who's going to give you up. Mark 13, 12, and brother will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. That's who's going to deliver you up. That's who's going to deliver up the church. Those people who follow Jesus during this time. Families. It's going to be families that will turn on one another. How incredibly sad is that? Families. There will be a great falling away. This is how bad it's going to be. Those who profess to be Christians who have fallen prey to false prophets, their entire lives will do this easily. They already believe false doctrine, false teachings of the false church. Those who believe that anyone can become a pastor, an elder, or an overseer of the church. Those who believe that everyone will go to heaven no matter what. That hell isn't real. And that the Bible isn't authoritative and perfectly and divinely inspired by God. And given over to men so that we can live by it and profit from it and teach by it and rebuke with it and admonish with it. Those who believe that God isn't a triune God, one in three distinct persons. Those who believe that we can pray to whoever we want, not just Jesus, who the Bible calls the mediator of our faith, and not just the mediator, the only mediator. Listen to this. If you're struggling, if you're praying to somebody else besides Jesus, anybody out there watching, I pray that you stop that now in the name of Jesus Christ. And that you would pray to Him and Him alone. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. How many mediators, church? The man, Christ Jesus. Again, 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. You see, the people that believe all these false things... They will bend the knee to the world and they will call you to bend your knee to it as well. And when you don't, they will call you hateful. They'll tell you that you don't care all the while you've lived a life filled with love for God and love for them. But they'll hate you for it because you don't bend like they bend. And they will see with blinded eyes only what the darkness will show them. Matthew 24:10 moving on and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Notice how they can be known church. 
betrayal and hatred. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Again, that's Matthew 24, 10. Betrayal and hatred is the stamp of their life. They will be known by their betrayal. They will be known by their hatred. And on the contrary, how will the Christian be known? Even in trying times, how can the Christian be found? Even through suffering and tribulation, how can we be found? How can we be known? It is by our love, church. It is by our love for one another. We can be picked out of the crowd of the world by our love. Listen to this, John 13 and 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another.
Have you trusted in the wrong thing and the wrong ideals to form your own life decisions and to form your own thoughts? Will they endure until the end or will they go to bend their knees to the system of the world and its paganism and idolatry? Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Those who endure to the end will be those who have professed with their lips and believed in their hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, as prescribed in Romans 10, 9 and 10. There are those spoken of in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 who, upon hearing the word of truth and believing in Jesus, have been saved and then sealed by the promised Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. There are those who have been given the Spirit as a guarantee of their inheritance in the kingdom of God. They are those who are the true church who have genuinely believed and the true church will be revealed in the last times. They are not those who say some words and keep on living the same life without a seared conscience that seeks out the heart of God to change them from within. They are not those who say some kind of words and pray some prayer that someone told them to pray that meant nothing because they didn't really believe it. That's not the true church. They are not those who deny God by their actions. They are not those who honor God with their lips but have a heart that is far from him. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now listen to that promise. Listen to that promise, church, of the gospel being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Let me ask you something here in your spirit. Do you want that? Do you want the gospel proclaimed throughout the entire world? I pray you do. That you want the gospel proclaimed throughout the entire world. And this gospel of the kingdom, again, Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what's going to happen? What's going to happen after that? end will come and, and what what does the end coming mark that's the second advent isn't it that's the second coming of Jesus Christ to establish his millennial kingdom his thousand year reign on the earth isn't that amazing so let me ask you again do you want this gospel to be proclaimed throughout the entire world to all nations Yes and amen, absolutely. Why? Because that means Jesus is coming then. It is a testimony to all nations, a testimony about Jesus, about his life and grace to save those who believe in his name. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Do you want to see him, church? Do you want to see Jesus? Do you want him to come back? then proclaim this gospel to everyone, everywhere. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. Shout it. Share it. Preach it. Speak it. Write it. Live it. Let's pray. Lord, we, we love you, Lord. We, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for this day, this hour, Lord God.
We know you tell us the day and the hour, Lord, we cannot know. And that is fine for us, Lord. We believe your word, Lord, that we cannot know. We don't need to know then, Lord. But we know we need to be prepared for when these things take place. And God, I I pray that you would prepare us continuously throughout our lives, God. That we would give our lives over to you in full. That way you could prepare us in full for the things that are yet to come. God, if we have to face tribulation like this here in America, God, I pray that we are prepared and we are ready, God. There are so many, Lord, who have already bent their knee to the world. Lord, they've already, they've been infatuated with the world for a long time, God. And it's going to be easy for them to fall away, easy for them to be deceived, God. But I pray, Lord, that everyone would be saved and changed by the power of God. I pray for the salvation of this entire planet, God, in Jesus' name. That everybody living on the earth right now would be saved in Jesus' name. God, we have the message of eternity. God, we have the message of hope for the world, Lord. I pray we don't ever lose sight of that, God, that we have the answer. Oh, God, please continue to give us those heavenly things that we so desperately need while we live here on this earth. Help us, Lord, to proclaim this gospel of the kingdom, God, as a testimony to all that you've done and all that you will continue to do even what is yet to come. God, we love you so much, Lord. We ask for your help today, God. We ask for your help to be bold. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to really love you, God, and to press in, to lean into you, God. And I pray that as we lean into you, God, we we would realize that we are already wrapped up into your arms. In Jesus' name, amen.